Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's get out your sermon notes. And I want to um, uh, continue the series called Think Outside the Box, and it's what, it's what outsiders think of insiders or the complaints that outsiders have towards insiders, or you could say those outside the church, what they think of those inside the church, and maybe some reasons that they don't want to come to church. Uh, last week, we talked about um, uh, Christians in today's culture just being judgmental, uh, just being very, very critical, and um, how, how we shouldn't live life like that, that we're supposed to live lives of patience and of love and of kindness and things like that. Today... We are going to talk about the incredibly encouraging topic of hypocrisy, everybody. Everybody say yay. Yay Yay for hypocrisy. Okay, well, you're like, oh, one of those sermons. No, it's it's going to be great. You're going to be encouraged by it. I promise you that. But at the same point, uh, I I want to be honest with you that if you were to go to some, some people and invite them to church, a lot of times what we hear is, I don't want to go to church. The church is full of hypocrites. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And I want to tell you something before we get into what we can control, like what what we're going to focus on today, uh, that a lot of times somebody, if somebody, uh, let's say it this way, if they pull out the hypocrisy card and they play that card and they say, nope, I don't go to church, hypocrites, or they're just filled with hypocrisy, a lot of times that, that that person has been hurt by somebody in the church. Like they have been wounded by somebody in the church and they hold, they, they hold the church responsible for one person's actions or maybe two person's actions. Everybody see what I'm saying? So they don't know, they don't know the church well enough to know that, uh, you know, who we really are. They, they just have a sense of who the church is based upon their concept or based upon their meeting with one person or two person or the wound that they received from one person, maybe two persons. So they just pull out that, that hypocrisy card and say, nope, full of hypocrites. I've been hurt by one of your so-called Christians. No, thank you. Um, and actually, I, I probably hear that more than you do um, in that I hear so many stories about people, you know, a lot of you coming to me saying, you know what, I've, I've been fighting so-and-so, I've been fighting so-and-so, but what happened in their life is when, when they were 10 years old, they were abused in the church. When they were, you know, 15 years old, this is what happened in their youth group. When they were at this age, uh, this is what occurred in their family. This is what their mom and dad was really like behind the scenes, and they pretended to be one way at church, but they really weren't that way, and they were just hurt. They were wounded by people who were so-called Christians or by people who who said they were a Christian but certainly didn't act like it. And, and those people really reflect, oftentimes reflect uh, the church as a whole. And I think that's unfair, but there's nothing we can do about that. Like, I, I'll tell you this, never make a judgment call about somebody or, or, or really anything just based upon one conversation or based upon one, one problem. Can I just encourage you that? Can, can I encourage you to do this new song just in general? Let's live life with some thick skin. Let, let's not be easily offended. Let's not be easily... Uh, let, let's not find it easy to point the finger at somebody else. In fact, that's what this message is really about, this um, hypocrisy in, in the church, what it means, how do we fix it, 
How do, how do we convey who we really are to those on the outside that would allow them to see the church in a fresh light, in a new, in a new way? And we're going to start with this a great, a wonder, so encouraging portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking, everybody. You're going to be so encouraged by this. It's incredible. Uh, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? Isn't that encouraging? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Now, can I just tell you that before you go out of this room and call other people hypocrites, this was Jesus speaking, okay? And you probably don't have the right to go out and point your finger at somebody's face and call them a hypocrite. Because how many of in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Okay, 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 okay. So Jesus, he was the perfect spotless lamb of God. And he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to, he's trying to call them out on who they really are. And he said this, first get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. And you know what he's saying? He's, he's looking at these people and he's saying, listen, you need to deal with you first before you start dealing with others. You need to deal with you first before you start dealing with others. Before you start pointing your finger at other people's, you need to look deep, in, deep down inside of yourself and make the needed changes that you need to make and allow the, the Spirit of God to make needed changes that need to be Made. So instead of living our lives pointing the fingers at other people about what they're doing wrong, why don't we just look at ourselves and know exactly who we are like, and what we struggle with and that we're not perfect. And a lot of times we point our fingers at people and, and we uh, get very angry and you know full well that you've done the same thing that you've said the same thing, that you've hurt somebody the same way, that you've acted like they're acting, that you're not perfect either. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, get your eyes off of pointing out each other's faults and pointing the finger at others. Get your eyes off of that. And you let the Holy Spirit deal with you about your issues. This is something I found out a long time ago, that I do not have the power to convict people of sin. Did you know that? I don't have the power. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to convict people of sin. And the Holy Spirit is really good at his job. You don't need to do it for him. You should be saying amen. You don't have to do it. The Holy Spirit is very good at his job. And odds are he's probably pointing out some things in your life that you're avoiding while you point your finger at somebody else. Let's not live life like that that's what Jesus is saying in this verse. In fact, letter A, write this down. Outsiders often feel that Christians want to monitor, want to monitor, like pay attention to, or modify to try to correct the behavior of others. So they pull out the, the hypocrisy card and say, I'm not going to church. They pull out the hypocrisy card and say, look, all they want to do is tell me what I'm doing wrong or try to change me in who they think I should be. Well, no, sir, because I don't think that they're any better than I am. I've known a few of your Christians, and they were losers. I know a few of your Christians, and they were mean-spirited. They were prideful. They were egotistical. They were narcissistic. They were terrible people, and if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't really want to have 
anything to do with it. If you're going to sit there and judge me, you're going to monitor my behavior or try to modify my behavior. No thanks. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And the truth of the matter is a lot of Christians actually do this. They actually live their life kind of pointing the fingers at others, monitoring everybody's behavior, and and trying to, to modify their behavior. Let me give you an example of this. When my children were growing up, a lot of times they would come home and they would say, hey, dad, you want to know what so-and-so did? I saw so-and-so did that. I was in the store and so-and-so said that. I saw, and they're telling me everything that everybody's doing wrong. And they're monitoring everybody's behavior. Can I tell you, everybody, that's, that's legalistic in nature. Don't do it. Just don't do it. In fact, what I, what I um, uh, grew up telling my children is a lot of times they would be so surprised by sin. They would be so surprised by what they saw in Walmart or at the movie theater or whatever. They're, they're looking at other people and saying, wow, did you see that? Did you see how they looked? Do you see how they acted? Do you see how they, boy, that guy kept saying, a cuss, Dad, he said a cuss word. Like, yeah, I know. And, and here's what I taught my children and what I'm going to teach you. Why do we expect non-Christians to act like Christians? Why do we do that? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that a non-Christian would act like a Christian. And so you monitor their behavior. Well, they're not being very Christ-like. Well, why would they be? They're not a Christian. And in fact, sometimes you want to modify their behavior because you're working with these people, working with these guys and these girls. And I've heard a lot of stories, especially guys who work in in factories uh, with a a lot of other uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, the curse words are just flying. I mean, just flying and, and like, well, what do you do? And pastor, you don't have any idea what I deal with at work. It's just, I hear the F-bomb a hundred times a day. I'm just so sick of it. Well, what, well, what do you do about that? Well, I've told them to try to, just to stop, but I can't handle that. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't help me. It, it actually frustrates me. And hey, could you just cut down on the language? And the problem with that is everybody, you're just trying to modify their behavior. You're trying to modify their behavior, but that's not what we're called to do. In fact, uh, uh, you guys notice uh, now. Now, granted, I'm going to say some things that today, and I'm I'm hoping that there's no anti-hunters in the room. But after all, this is Marshall County, Indiana, and I think we're okay with some, some just a deer story. All right. So uh, you notice my beard is gone today. I grow my beard until hunting season is over for me. And my hunting season pretty much came to an end last night, and I I've. Um, uh, if you want to see a picture, I have nine reasons why you should probably come and see me after church. Some would say ten, but um, who's counting? And um, and so um, you know, I take I take this this deer, and there's another hunter in the field, and word gets to him that I, that I took this deer, and he gets out of the stand. He says, "Hey, I'll 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 meet up with him over here, and and I'll help him track it." Well, I'd never met this guy before in my life, and um, his name is Charlie. And uh, he came down, he drove over to where I was, and he said, yeah, boy, I, I actually saw that buck, and boy, I almost took him because his brow tines were so tall, and he said, but yeah, but season just started, well, it hadn't for me, I'd been hunting, archery hunting for a while, and, and, I, and uh, I was just kind of like, okay, once gun season hits, I like to be out of the woods, I'm really a, a bow hunter, um, and so that, that being said, I knew my work schedule was going back to normal, I just decided to take this deer. Well, Charlie pulls up, and... Um, Let's just say Charlie has a problem with his words. Like he uses every word in the book. You know what I'm talking? And, and frequently, everybody, 
frequently. So I meet him and say, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Charlie. I said, well, I'm Justin. And so we start tracking this deer. I said, well, where are you from, Charlie? He said, I'm from Wheatfield. I'm a, I'm a pipe fitter and, and uh, work at a lot of the mills. And, and he's just telling me about what he's done as we're, as we're just walking together trying to find this deer. And he tells me it goes down in an area that I kind of knew it didn't go down. But I, I just said, well, let's go over there and see, you know, give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And, and the whole time he's just, you know, blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that, and nice guy, super nice guy. His words were just flying. I mean, just flying. And, um, and, and so we look around for a little while, and I said, you know what, Charlie, I got an idea. I said, I think I saw him go in this direction. I said, I said, um, I said I'm going to walk over this way, and I just followed a little trail, and there, there he was right where I thought he would be. And, and I called Charlie over, and, and um, um, Charlie started taking pictures of my deer, you know, and I thought, well, that's kind of, that's kind of weird, and, you know, I've never had pictures, guys take other, you know, other guys take pictures of my deer, and, um, but, but in the moment, in the, in the moment, I wasn't concerned about the deer, because I know something that a lot of people, and I re- realize something that a lot of people don't realize, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, let's, let's go to this, and then I'll, I'll finish the story, letter B, Christians often fail to remember that the good news is about, making, is about making old things new and not just better. It's about making old things new and not just better. It's not about monitoring somebody's sin or their sin level, and it's not about modifying their behavior. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is not about somebody becoming better. It's about somebody becoming brand new. And, and the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Galatians 6.15, and I could have given you a lot of scripture for this, but what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Okay, let me say it like this. What doesn't count is, is behavior modification. What does count is somebody has a new heart, that they have been transformed by the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody see what I'm saying? Like that's what counts. And so something that I realized in my life is that when somebody is just obviously not a Christian, that I don't expect them to act like a Christian. I just don't. In fact, as, as Charlie and I are talking, he's letting the words fly. He, he gets to the point, he says, well, you never told me what you do. I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, that did not stop his vocal ability whatsoever. And I wasn't bothered by it. In fact, in fact, I was drawn to him all the more because he wasn't faking it. Because most people, when you say, well, I'm a pastor, all of a sudden, everything changes. Their words change, their heart changes. It's like, oh, I got to watch my words. I got to watch my actions. I got to watch my thoughts. I'm around a pastor. Not this guy. He wouldn't let anybody stop at him for what he wanted to say. You know what I'm talking about? And I loved it about him. I, just, I was just refreshed by the honesty. So we get to the deer, and we start talking and I just see my opportunity. See, I'm always thinking about lost people. I'm always thinking about lost people. I'm always thinking about lost people. 
And as we're talking, I'm just investing in this guy's life. And, and the deer is right down there, and he starts talking about the deer, and he's taking pictures of it. And I'm just talking to him about life. I'm talking to him about, and after about 10 minutes of me just building a relationship with him, trying to build a relationship with him, he said, hey, aren't you going to even look at your deer? Like, aren't you even, because I hadn't even touched the deer as of yet. I hadn't even picked up his rack. I hadn't done anything. You know why? Because Charlie's more important than nine points on the ground. Charlie's more important. I, I got the rest of the night to deal with the, de the deer, but I only had a few minutes with Charlie, and I was going to make the most of that opportunity. So I, I found out his name. I know where he lives. I'm going to contact him. I, 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 I know how to get a hold of him now. He told me how I can get a hold of him. I'm going to get a hold of him. He lives in Wheatfield. I used to live in DeMott for five years, which is right there next to each other. In fact, I had a Wheatfield address, and so I know that whole area. I probably know who he knows and I'm going to make an investment in this man's life. But I'm not, I wasn't there to modify his behavior. I was there to help him experience a life change of Jesus Christ. And listen, it was just a, a, a small foundation that was set. But you, you're going to, you need to know I'm going to build on that. That I'm going to try to reach out to him. To the best of my ability, I'm going to go after Charlie. Because he needs to discover the, the, the Jesus Christ, the Savior that I know and that I love. So I'm always thinking about that. And I don't expect Christians to, I don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. In fact, I'm kind of refreshed when they don't. Because it lets me know who they really are. It, it, can, I, can I say some things to you, though, today, in all honesty, that there are still some things that, that people who pull the hypocrisy card, there are still some things that they need to see in us. There are some ways that we can overcome the, the, uh, the view that people have that the church is just filled with hypocrites. Now, now I, I want to say this cautiously because, because as children of God, we are, we are fully clean. We are fully accepted before God, but we still struggle with sin. Let me say it this way. Every now and then, I still feel like a hypocrite. Do you? Come on, everybody. If you still feel like a hypocrite every now and then, it, let me say it like this. If you sin every now and then, raise your hand. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. That's, that, okay, that's good. Thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate that. So we got, we got something we got to deal with, don't we? And not only do we have to deal with it personally, but we have to help other people's view of who we are. Like, when, like in a few weeks, we're going to start a Christmas series at the movies, is what it's called, Christmas at the movies. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of fun. But the gospel is going to be at the center of it all. We're going to point people to Jesus, and you're going to go out of your way to start inviting all of your friends and all of your family members that don't know Jesus. You're going to start bringing them in here. And if somebody pulls out the hypocrisy card, you need to know how to respond to them. You need to know how to relate, for, to relate with people who pull out the hypocrisy card and say, no thanks, church isn't for me, full of hypocrites. I've hung around a few of you before. I don't like you. You're just hypocrites. You need to know how to respond. And here are three things that they need to see in us. Are you ready for them? Number one, write this down. Humility. Humility. Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble. Excuse me, completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, 
hey, just be, be humble most of the time and you'll do fine. Be partially humble. Give it your best at being humble, but if you fail, it's no big deal. No, it says be completely humble. Completely humble. Now, now I'm going I'm to take, and this is on purpose. This is not a rabbit trail. It's on purpose, and I'm going to give you some information, and, and this is going to help some people here in this room understand a, a little bit more about humility. That humility is, is not when you sit there and tear yourself down. Humility is not when you stand in the mirror, you stand in front of the mirror and, and think about how ugly you are, or you tell other people how bad you are, or you tell other people, that, you know, like, what's wrong with you? That's not humility. In, in fact, everybody, I, I want to tell you something. What, whatever you hear in that regard that tears you down, when you have those thoughts come into your mind about how ugly you are or how worthless you are or, or, or whatever it is, whatever comes to your mind, I want to tell you something that's not from God. Because if you are a child of God, you are so valuable to him and you are beautiful in his eyes and he loves you, absolutely loves you and he's not embarrassed by you. He's not ashamed of you. He is proud to call you his son or his daughter, and you are valuable to God. Humility is not tearing yourself down. In fact, humility doesn't even think about yourself, really. Humility is considering others more important than yourself. Humility isn't focusing on the bad in you. Humility is focusing on what others need in their life. That's humility to consider other people more important than you. And the Bible says that we're supposed to do that. that we, and it says it just like that. We are to consider others more important than ourselves. Now, does that mean that you don't invest in yourself? No, no. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you don't bathe for a week, okay? That's not what it means. You need to clean up. You need to smell good. I told my wife last night, I said, I'm so happy because I can start wearing cologne again. And you think, why just stop? You don't go into the woods smelling like cologne. I've been using unscented soap for like two weeks straight, everybody. And I told my wife, I haven't been using shampoo either. I've just been using the same unscented soap because it's mostly just skin up there anyway, everybody. What's, I don't have really any hair to wash. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and so last night, I actually used shampoo and, and real soap. And this morning, I put on cologne, and it was wonderful. I, thought, I love cologne, but I just love deer hunting more. I just love it more. And so it's not, you know, uh, let, let me say it like this, uh, everybody. Humility doesn't mean that you don't invest in yourselves. It, it doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. After all, the Holy Spirit is living in you, and you need to. It's important. But when you're around other people, just like last night, everybody, that Charlie was more important than the, than the deer on the ground. He was just more important. And I, I, had, I knew I had time with the deer later. I didn't have time with Charlie, though, all night. I, I just I knew it was going to come to an end. Humility, be completely humble. Be completely humble. And that also means this. Here's another note for you, the bullet point under there. I should never become more angry by the sins of others than my own sins. Let me say it this way. It's so easy to point 
your finger at the sins of somebody else when no doubt you've failed in that same area. Let, let, let me say it like this. Sometimes you're pointing your finger at the sins of others and you're irritated with other people's sins. And the truth of the matter is, it's not that your sins are better. In fact, your sins are just as bad. They're just different. They're just different. So why are you getting mad at somebody else's sins when you have sin in your life that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about? And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, take your eyes off of the sins of others and, and, and allow the Spirit of God to reveal in you what needs to be dealt with. Everybody see what I'm talking about? Like, we, we don't point our fingers at it. See, don't, don't become angry because somebody's sin is worse than yours or you think it's worse than yours. In fact, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what needs to be worked on in you. And I'll tell more about that in a second. So we need to be humble. We need to be completely humble. We need to be completely humble. Second thing, we need to be honest. Honesty has to be there. Honesty has to be there. This is one of the most encouraging verses in Scripture for those who know that they struggle with sin. And it's found in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. Really, the whole, the whole major portion of chapter 7 is about this issue, but I just pulled a few Scriptures from here. It's Romans 7 verse 18 and then verse 22 and 23. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Do you ever feel like that? I do sometimes. Like, God, is there anything good in me? Now, of course there is because Jesus is in me. Of course there's good things in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. His gifts are in me. The fruit of the Spirit is in me. But sometimes I get discouraged by my own struggle. And, and, and Paul must have felt the same way too. He said, is there anything good? Good that lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. Like he's still realizing, wow, I'm in a battle here. This is that portion of scripture where he says, I keep doing what I don't want to do, and then I don't do what I do want to do. What's what he says here in verse 22 and 23? I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. And I feel the exact same way. Do you? Like, like, this is the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I absolutely love the Word of God. But it convicts me, everybody. It challenges me. I love it. But, but the Bible says, that there's a verse that says that the, the Word of God is so wonderful, it's so powerful, that it, and this is my paraphrase, but it penetrates us and it reveals who we really are. It shows us who we really are. And I love the Word of God. I delight in the Word of God, but at the same point, everybody, I'm challenged by the Word of God. Sometimes I struggle with it. Sometimes I wish I had that magic eraser and said, boy, God, I wish that wasn't in there. And if I could take it out in my humanity, I would, but I can't. The Word of God stands forever, and it challenges me. And I have to be honest with myself. 
And here's, here's, here's my honesty today. I'm not who I want to be yet. But I praise God I'm not who I was. That the Lord is changing me and he's helping me. The Holy Spirit is helping me become the man that I've always dreamed of. I still struggle with sin. I delight in the word of God. I love the word of God, but I, I don't always measure up to it. And sometimes I just tell people, hey, you know what? I, I, I sin too. I struggle too. Some, sometimes people are like, I'm sorry, pastor. I, I still got this mouth on me. Yeah, I used to have one too. But over the course of time, just let God deal with that. It's all right. God, God will just deal with that. Just take... Just, just listen to God. I'm going to show you more about that in a second. I just encourage people. I don't tell them what they're doing wrong. I just tell them what, they, what could be done right. If they just allow the Spirit of the Lord to keep working in them. Everybody see that? That's good parenting, by the way. Did you know that? I don't always tell my kids what they're doing wrong. I also tell them what could be right. Sometimes they need to know what's wrong. Sometimes. But there's a lot of times that we just point them to what's right. And if we point them towards what's right, they'll just naturally know what's wrong. Everybody, we need some, hum we need some honesty in our lives. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. If somebody pulls out the hypocrisy card and says, well, the church is full of hypocrites, here's where I take them, and this is going to help you a lot as you, as you reach your friends and your family members that don't know Jesus. Here's the bullet point. It's okay to remind others that I may sin at times, but Jesus never did. But let me say it like this, that I can tell other people, well, the church is full of hypocrites, they would say. The church is just full of hypocrites. And I say, you know what? The church is full of sinners. You're right. But thankfully, the church isn't built upon those people. The church is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who was not a hypocrite. And he is, and he was, the spotless, perfect Lamb of God who took the sins of the world on himself. And he died on the cross for your sins, and he was raised to life, proving that he is really the Son of God and the Word of God is true. See, you're measuring, and I tell people, you're measuring the church by people within the church instead of the founder of the church, which is Jesus Christ. So if you want to talk about hypocrisy, you're going to have to point your finger at Jesus. But when you do that, I promise you, he'll pass the test. Because he wasn't a hypocrite. You see what I'm saying? But people who pull the hypocrisy card, they're looking at people instead of Jesus. Our job is always to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Always. Always. We always glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if somebody plays that card on you, I don't know. It's not about me. It's not about us. Yeah, I know a lot of people in the church that are messed up. Jesus never messed up. He's perfect, and he loved me, and he loves me still, and he saved me. And I get to go to heaven because of Jesus. By the way, he's the only way that you'll get there too. See what I'm saying, everybody? See how you can just flip that? Flip that, but it's going to take some honesty. It's going to take some honesty. Did you know, everybody, that one of the things that people say the most about me here at New Song that they, what they appreciate about me is that they, I hear this, I've heard this hundreds and hundreds of times, Pastor, we just love you because you're so, you're so honest with us. Like you're just so transparent. And, and the truth of the matter is, I've taught my family this. It, it, 
and I, I think I might have told you this in the past, but live your life as if there are no secrets. Because at the end of your life, there are no secrets. Live your life as if there are no secrets because when you stand before Jesus Christ, there are no secrets. I know a lot of people, like, like pastor's kids especially, I hate growing up in a fishbowl where everybody can see everything that happens in my life. Can I tell you something? I embrace it because it helps me become and stay a man of integrity. I don't mind people looking into my life because it helps me. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. You, you might see some flaws. You might see some sins. But I'm going to own up to them. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me, and I'm not confessing to be perfect. But I, I am somebody who's been saved by grace, and the Holy Spirit is at work in me, and I'm okay with that. I'm secure in who I am in Christ Jesus. He's making me who I've always dreamed about being as I allow it to him. But I, I need to be humble, and I need to be honest, and I need to tell people, hey, listen, I make mistakes too. I sin too, but it doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. I make mistakes too, but it doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love me. Don't base your religion upon my, my, my Christianity. Don't do that. Don't base this life decision upon my Christianity. Don't do that. Base it upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the last one, holiness. Write that down. So we need to be humble. We need to be honest. We need to be holy. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Like there's a certain way that we need to dress, that we need to be different from the world. Uh, the Bible says that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, holy and dearly loved. That word holy in the Greek is actually the word hagios. I put a little note there for you. It's actually the word hagios where most, most theologians, in fact, I, I would too, uh, it's translated separated. But properly, in fact, a lot of theologians say that the, the best meaning or definition of that word would be the word different. In fact, I, I copied that from the concordance right there. It says properly different or different from the world. Like you're, you're unlike the world. You're different. You're separated. You're set apart. So they all fit together. But sometimes we don't, we don't view that word wholly as, as to what it really is. It means that we're different. When we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, we were different. We, we were made different. We weren't made better. We were made new. Everybody with me so far? We weren't made better. We were made holy. We were made different. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We haven't, God isn't about modifying our behavior. He's about transforming our hearts. Everybody see that? Then when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been transformed. We are made holy. We are made different. So there, therefore, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, um, how do I say this? We shouldn't be a reflection of the world whatsoever because we're different from the world. We're holy. We're set apart. We're unlike the world. So therefore, we've been changed. We've been changed. I, I want to break this down to you in, in a couple ways. The second one is just, a, again, a bullet point I just have for you there, that my highest goal is obviously not to reflect the world. My highest goal is to be a reflection of the one who loves me most. That's my highest goal. I want to be a reflection of the one who loves me most. My heavenly father loves me most, and I want to be a reflection 
of him in this world. I want to reflect his goodness. I want to reflect his patience, his kindness, his love for others. I want to reflect my heavenly father. And in order to reflect him best, I need to understand holiness. And a lot of you don't have a clear understanding of holiness. Because if, if you, a lot, of, a lot of pastors would get up in, in the pulpit and they would say this phrase, you need to be holy because God is holy. And they put all of the tension on you. They put all of the weight of that on the church. You be holy because God is holy. And you're like, well, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my best. I'm going to, oh, I can't say i got to be holy. And it's just all of a sudden, it's just out of your works. All of a sudden, it becomes legalism. All of a sudden, it's, well, I've got to do this because I've got to be holy. And if I want to be accepted by God, I've got to be holy. That's a works mindset. That's a mindset that says, I'm going to earn my way into heaven. If I'm holy enough, I'll earn my way into heaven. I'll earn God's level. That's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we have been saved by grace through faith, not of works. So that way we can't boast. So, so, so obviously, we have, to, we have to resolve the tension of what holiness is in the life of a Christian. And to do that, I'm going to take you to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. And I'm going to read this portion of Scripture. And, and at first, you're going, to, you're going to hear what most people view as holiness, and, there, and some to some extent, they're not wrong, but then I'm going to give you the, the full version of what holiness is all about. 1 Peter 1.13, so prepare your minds. This is out of the New Living Translation. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all of your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. You must live as God's obedient children. There you're saying, well, yeah, there, it's up to me. Well, hold on. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And he's saying, well, obviously you do now. You know that that's not the way you're supposed to live life. Don't slip back into that. But now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God chose you is holy. Just as God who chose you is holy. Verse 16, for the scriptures say, here it is, you must be holy because I am holy. You're like, well, pastor, that's what the Bible says, that it all depends upon me. Well, let's read on. Verse 17, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Like we're not, we're just, we have our lifetime and that's it. That's what it's saying. And we are eternal. We're going to spend eternity in heaven for those who believe Jesus, who believe in Jesus. What's this? Verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. So, so here we have, here, here are the two things that we have about holiness. You ready? If you were to look at this verse of Scripture, 
We're reminded of two different levels of holiness, that there is something in us that God says, hey, like I'm holy and I want you to be holy. I'm, I am in you and, and you're in me now and I want you to be a reflection of me in the world. I want you to reflect me. So as I am holy, God would say, you need to be holy. And yes, there is some response that we have to give to that that we need to embrace holiness, that we need to live holy lives, that we need to turn our back on sin and just say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not who I am. I used to be that, but now I'm not. But at the same point, the Bible also says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we have been made holy, that, that the love of Jesus Christ was poured out on us and and we used to be stained with sin, but the blood of Jesus washed us. When he died upon the cross, it was very symbolic of us being washed. And the Bible says that we have been made new. That we have, let, let me say it this way, that we were stained with sin, but we're not stained any longer. That we have been washed as white as snow. And therefore, if we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, here's what it means. I'm holy, and you are holy. We are different. We are set apart. We are holy and dearly loved. And you're like, well, which one is it, Pastor? Am I holy because of Christ, or am I holy, or, or do I need to, 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 to live out holiness in my life? Do I already have it, or do I have to live it out? And the answer is absolutely. Now you got it. Good job. You figured it out that you have been made holy. You're a child of God. You've been made holy. You've been made righteous. You have been cleansed from all of your sins, and now you're in right standing with God. Now live like it. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're in right standing with God. Now live like it. Your, your heart has been made new. The old is gone. Now live like it. Well, well how do you live like it? How, how do you live like it? How do I choose holiness if I'm already holy? Well, because you're already holy, because God has made you holy, and in right standing with him, all of a sudden, he's going to start pointing out things to you that was in your old life that you shouldn't be doing anymore. He's going to point out some things, some words, some actions, some thoughts in your life that, that it was the old you, but it's not supposed to be the new you. And he's going to point them out, and he'll say, hey, oh, no, 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 that's, that's the old you. That's not who I'm calling you to be. You need to say no to that. Be holy, God would say, because I'm holy. Now, let, let me give you this great example of this. Um, can you handle one more deer talk real quick? I won't talk about shooting anything or nothing like that, but I, I was going to bring her today, and in all of the excitement last night, I actually left her in the woods. Little Dolly is what I call her. Dolly is a decoy, a doe decoy. And, and very realistic. She's, she's 2D. She's not 3D. And what I mean by that is a lot of deer decoys are actual, like, life-size deer. They're made of plastic, but they're really big and bulky, and, but not Dolly. Dolly is, is fabric, and somebody took a picture of a doe, 
and printed it on fabric and put one of those little spring-loaded things in there. You know how they have a lot of, like, like, um, uh, like even sometimes the sunscreen that people put in their car, like you, you, you unfold it and it pops open and then you just slide it in and then when you want to, you twist it and push it together and it folds flat. That's what Dolly is like. You, you, just, you just twist her, you, you push her together and she folds flat and she just fits in my backpack. But when you open her up, she pops open and you put her in the ground. And from the side view, she, I'm telling you, from 20 yards away, she looks like, I keep calling her she, don't I? Instead of it. It's so personal between her and I. Uh, we've had a good thing going for a lot of years. No, uh, she's very lifelike. If you're 20 yards away and you're looking at her broadside, she's very, very lifelike. Very lifelike. In fact, this year I have I've had tons of, I mean, dozens of deer just come straight to Dolly, just straight to her. And, and, but yet, you know, if you're, if you're broadside like this, you know what I'm saying? It, it looks, she looks perfect. But once, once you get in front of her, she disappears because she's flat. You see what I'm saying, right? She's flat. So this way, she's perfect. She looks real. This way, she's, she's not there. So so deer will come broadside to her and they'll come up and they'll smell her and then they'll decide to walk around her. And so they get behind her. So they go from broadside to like this and all of a sudden she disappears. And those stupid little deer are like, <laughs> and they're looking around and they just stay there for a while. And then they, deer have this unique ability with their neck. They can do that, that I don't know, that belly dancer thing. You know, we're, I can't do that. But you know how deer will like, like, so they reach out like six inches and like, there she is. Oh, gone. And they'll do that over and over and over again. And they get very skittish. But And then some deer get skittish, the smart ones. The smart ones get skittish and they run because they know something's not right here. She ain't supposed to do that. But some deer are stupid. And they have no idea that a ruggedly handsome 300-pound redheaded man is 15 feet up in a tree stand, about 15 yards away with a bow in my hand, and I could take their life at any moment. They don't, they don't know because they're infatuated with Dolly and they're deceived by her. And what happens in your life, you're going to see things that are attractive to you, maybe even things that you used to be involved in, maybe new temptations that the devil is putting there. You're going to see things that are attractive to you, and you're going to head in that direction. And when you, when you get close to it, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you, and you're going to get skittish. You're going to, oh, hmm, I can't watch that. I, I can't say that. I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't have this conversation. Something, something, you're going to get there, and, and, and if you're smart, if you're wise, if you're, let me say it this way, if you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll understand that that's deception. That's not you anymore. And you need to walk away, to turn away. Because you're not meant to live that life anymore. You've been made new. And if you hang around there, there's danger involved. 
if you hang around there, if you, keep, if you go back into it and then you keep going back into it, then all of a sudden, I'm telling you, just bad things happen. Bad things happen. I, I know a lot of people who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but they just kept going back to that one thing, back to that one thing, back to that one thing. They just kept going back, and they kept hearing, no, don't, 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 you need to go. They, they were skittish, but, but they refused to leave. And then all of a sudden, they start questioning their Christianity. Well, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, because I just keep doing this thing. And what, what happens is, what happens is the devil just starts playing mind games with you, reminding you of your sin, and getting your eyes off of Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. You're not supposed to live around Dolly. Dolly's danger. You're meant to turn your back because you've been made new. You're smarter now. Smarter now. You know, the most deer that came to Dolly were all the young ones. The ones that hung around, they were all the young ones. But I saw a big boy he didn't want to have anything to do with Dolly. Something in his head said, that ain't right. He was just mature. He, and the more that you mature in Christ, the more, the more you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and you'll get skittish about things that you used to not be skittish about. You'll be, you'll, you'll be aware of things that you used to not be aware of. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you, no, 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 that's not what I have for you. All right. Done. Mount is is shutting off. I won't go there. I'm not going to say that. As you mature in Christ, you're going to part of maturing in Christ is listening to the Holy Spirit. He's going to whisper to you, "That's not what I have for you. That's not what I have for you. Remember, you're holy. Now be holy. Remember, you've been made holy. Now act like." How many received the word of the Lord today? Okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's all stand up together. I presented that in the best way I know how in a life-giving way, and this is what we're going to do to end this, to end our time together. Is This is a unique moment because, because some of you have been hanging around Dolly. <laughs> some, some of you just you know, keep getting attracted to Dolly and, and you've been hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not that you have been hearing him. He's speaking to you. You've just been ignoring him. And today's the day where you're, you're just making a decision. Today, I'm going to stop ignoring the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start listening to him. If the Holy Spirit says no, the answer is just no. Because I've been made holy, I'm going to be holy. Because I've been made holy, I'm going to walk in holiness. Because God has made me new, I'm going to act like the new person that I am in Christ Jesus. And a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you have that thing in your life that the Holy Spirit is saying no to, but you've been ignoring the Holy Spirit, and today's a day that, that you're going to listen. You're making a choice. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be obedient. That's what, that's what it says in 1 Peter, that we are obedient children. We are obedient children. So a lot of you just today... I'm not, and I'm certainly not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying that a lot of you have been disobeying the voice of the Holy Spirit and saying yes to something that he's saying no to. And today's the day where you just say, forgive me. Empower me, Holy Spirit, to not only hear your voice, but to obey your voice and to live the holy life 
that I've been called to live. And then after that, we're, we're going to thank God because we are, the, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that, that we didn't have to earn it, that we are made holy in his sight, that we are children of God. We have been washed clean, and that deserves some praise today. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, your holiness is not based upon your work. Your holiness is based upon his work on the cross. And now, because you've been made holy, now be holy. Live in holiness. You receive the word of the Lord, right? Okay, I think we got some things that we got to take care of. How many know it's okay to get to get our hearts right with the Lord, especially when you're in church, right? That's a good, that's a good day, right? Where, where you walk out of this place and say, God, I'm glad we got that resolved. So that's been hanging over my head. Well, let's get that resolved today, whatever that is. Would you bow your heads with me? If you know what that one thing is, maybe two things, maybe five things, you're just like, you know what? I just got to get that straight. I've not been living the holy life that God has called me to live. I've been hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've been getting skittish around it. I've been wary. I know that something's wrong, but I've not been doing what I should. Would you hold your hand up and just leave it high, really, really high. There's going to be a lot of people in this room. There's lots of us that have been dealing with this. I have some things in my life that I'm still still working through, that the Holy Spirit is still working through in me. And let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, I don't want to leave this place without being changed by you. I need you to change me. Forgive me. Give me ears to hear. Empower me that when you say no, that that's when I say no. And when you say yes, that's when I say yes. Empower me, Holy Spirit, to be an obedient child of God. To live out the holiness that has been given to me. But I need your help. And I'm asking for it today. And I thank you that I'm forgiven and that I'm cleansed. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we all thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that it wasn't something that we had to earn. It wasn't something that we had to work for. It's just a precious gift that you gave us, Father, in your Son, Jesus. We want to give you thanks for saving us, for washing us, for making us holy, for setting us apart and making us new creations. Father, we didn't have it in our power to recreate ourselves, to make ourselves new. It was only you, only you have the power to make us new. And I thank you that we are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. I thank you, Father, that we are now in right standing with you, not because 
because of our works, but because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We thank you that Ephesians chapter 2 is correct. It is accurate. It is truthful when it says we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. We thank you that that truth is coming alive in all of us, that we are in right standing with you because of your son, because of the blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary, because of resurrection power, we have been made new. And we give you all of the praise and all of the glory for it, both now and forevermore. If you agree with that, let's put our hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.